The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Actually, I really like this because your, um, you know, your title, "A Wonderful Chaos," is for me is a great description of one of the best best projects when it's happening, because there are elements of chaos. I mean, chaos is a very productive thing, and if you can actually weave all that together as a project manager and create that thing, I believe you end up with a wonderful chaos that truly delivers something. You know, the heart of a good project manager is also one that has a lot of fun. Again, you're back to the people side of things, isn't it? Build some fun into it. I mean, you know, you know I, I get bored if I don't have a laugh in 50 minutes. So yeah. It's a wonderful chaos. glorious. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest. We fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers. And the atheists pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos. We're on with Peter Taylor and we're going to talk about his book, The Lazy Project Manager, and basically how to get all your work done in the half the time, go home on time. He's you. I wouldn't call him just a project manager because he's done this for 35 years. He's done over 450 presentations in 25 countries. And his book, The Lazy Project Manager, I wrote in the intro, is the de facto standard for people who are looking to just get a sense of what project management is, how to do it well. And that book has been downloaded over 60,000 times. Yeah, and the fact that Peter has been doing this for decades, I think for the uh, newer generation of uh, project manager, they can uh, look up to him and see how they're going to turn out after yes. 35 years. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll use him as a gauge for what you could look if you were to look into a, a, a ball and see where you're going to end up. Uh, one thing I thought was nice is that um, is that, and I said it to Peter and I saw his face wince before we came on, is that I've often felt that project management was a requirement when people weren't able to communicate or it was the, the, um, the what would you say? It was the uh, excuse to put more structure in. Because mm. I always see life as a, as a fight between structure and flexibility, structure and flexibility. It's this tension that, that exists. And, uh, and the ultimate flexibility can exist if the communication flows well, if everyone is aligning around values and around goals and around milestones. And then obviously you need to coordinate around that. But, but that, that for me is my dream is how do you create the ultimate flexibility? But unfortunately, when projects become very complex, they need more structure. And then that, that's the balance I see in life. Yeah, interesting, because the one thing that came to mind was, oh, um, how somehow that reminds me of kindergarten teacher, but maybe that sounds too condescending. But let's, uh, let's bring it. It reminds you, me of a kindergarten teacher? <laughs> no, me of kindergarten. <laughs> oh, Jesus, we're bringing him on. Wow. Hello, Peter. Nice to see you. Hi, Peter. Hello, hello. Um, so you, you gathered my, my, um, my feelings. I mean, I know there's a massive complexity when projects get interdepartmental. Everyone's got their own agenda. 
everyone's frustrated with the fact that no one's delivering on time. So I understand that project management is a requirement to get big projects done. But I've often felt like a really good project management, if you've got shit communications, actually is going to fail anyways. That's always been my feeling. You're probably right. You're probably right. I'm just trying to find my right place here because so far you introduced me. You know, you talk about decades on one hand, Andy. Thanks for that. Ronnie, you talk about kindergarten. And, and Juliet would probably agree that I'm somewhere in between. She talks about me as the the, the, the most grown-up eight-year-old out there. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that's a happy day. Um, projects. Actually, I really like this because your, um, you know, your title, A Wonderful Chaos, is for me is a great description of one of the best, best projects when it's happening, because there are elements of chaos. I mean, chaos is a very productive thing. And if you can actually weave all that together as a project manager and create that thing, I believe you end up with a wonderful chaos that truly delivers something. But you're right. I mean, you talked about uh, communication. I mean, I think if you, you know, people are doing projects without realizing they're doing projects and they, and they don't do it through any discipline or structure. We've all done stuff, you know, you, you know, if you've all got, like, I've got a wedding coming up, you know, it's not, I'm, I dare run it as a, as a project. I'd be dead if I did it as a project. <laughs> but we are creating something. It is a temporary endeavor. It is going to bring about a unique outcome. It is a project by any definition, but we're just doing it through communication. You know, no one is delegated project manager. Me, I am project manager. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what's the, that's the, really the question. What's the threshold? Because I can tell you, I'd love to share like a little bit about how my life works. Mm-hmm. I like to do, like, I have like four levels of management of myself. First is my inbox. So mm-hmm. an email comes in. If, it, it, if it's in my inbox, it usually means I need to do something about it. So now I get overrun because I've got a little bit too many. So I end up putting it in my calendar and then I get shifted to my calendar, which is now my next level of project management. Now, my third level of project management is an app called Do. And I pull that out once every three months because I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then I need to put a task list so that I can feel a sense of achievement. And then it goes to, okay, now I'm in an organizational structure and now there's interdependencies. And now it's like I need to get one of these horrible, arc, you know, like art overarching methodologies that forces us to all comply to one way of working together. Yeah. That's how I've experienced my own life. I need to go back. Can I go back to the kindergarten thing? Because I, Please. Go, <laughs> so, go wherever. It's <laughs> chaos. By the way, by the way uh, what, I meant, what I meant by kindergarten was as a project manager, you're like the kindergarten teacher because these right. are people. That's it. Yes. People mm. don't know what they're doing. They uh, uncoordinated. They play around. They giggle. They're happy or unhappy. They fight. But mm. you need someone, the grown up, like you said, to kind of mm-hmm. hey, we are all together going to go that way. Mm. So, um, and that's that is the essence of the story. So that's a brilliant leading to it because I instantly remember this. I, this is very popular. I use it in in a number of my presentations. And I've also used it in an actual workshop. Um, but the, the, the story goes: a kindergarten teacher. Really does they, he gets the the group of kindergarten kids? And let's I don't know. Let's say there's thirty of them, a uh, big group. Um, he gets them to all blow up a balloon. So they've got a different color balloon each, and they and they write their name on the balloon. And and then when, they, when a few of them will pop their own balloon because they're going to do that, they blow it up again, and then they write their name. Right. So they've all got their balloon, different colors. And then what he does, he gets them to put them down, and then everybody kicks them all around the classroom. And then he says, "Go and find your balloon." And he gives it almost five minutes. Um, and the way this story goes, at the end of the five minutes, nobody's found their balloon. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of shouting. You can imagine like 30 kindergarten kids having a great time. Nobody has got their balloon. And then the teacher says, stop. And then he says, 
go and pick up the balloon next to you. Look at the name and go and give it to that person. And within less than two minutes, everybody's got their balloon. Mm-hmm. And really, that's how I see project management is that kind of guidance of you know, vision of purpose. Where are we going? What's the direction? What are the rules we're going to follow? And now go and do the stuff. And it is the team that delivers it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great lead into that story. It's a story mm-hmm. I like. And, of course, it's a great visual as well on presentation. Yeah, mm. it's it's really interesting, actually. I'm tempted to try it out with a bunch of kids <laughs> or a great team-building thing. You need, you need quite a few people, and you need a confined space for the balloons. And to be fair, if you do it with adults, then usually you know about half of the people have got their balloon, to be honest. It's the kindergarten kids okay. go crazy. Okay. But, yeah, that, that's, mm. it's one of my favorite ones. You know, up there with building the spaghetti tower, which is the other great classic project management uh, uh, exercise. That's good fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. so communication's at the heart of it absolutely i mean whatever you read i mean you know it depends but somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of what a project manager does is some form of communication yeah yeah i guess in, in a way uh would you be looking or working with tools or do the companies you work with decide the tools and then you just say i'm gonna come in to make sure the tools are used well so what's your role often when you go into a company? Um, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm, you know, if I'm actually, you know, I, I bounce between that sort of independent consultancy type thing and actually running, you know, a project management office, which I've done a number of another number of times. You know, if I'm running the project management office, if I'm in charge of all the project managers, I'm often, uh, you know, part of uh, helping select the tools that we're going to use. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, I mean, the tools are the tools, and and there are good ones and there are reasonably good ones out there. It's a matter of getting people to consistently use those tools and be very honest in the information they're putting in there mm. and that's one of the biggest British challenges to project managers is they 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 feel so much under pressure that they hide the truth you know a little bit of um over optimism shall we say you know yeah. the schedule's late the budget's blown you know the scope is out of the out of the water etc you know what's the status of the project green you know <laughs> magic you know because yeah. Because they don't want to be shouted at. So it's, it's a matter of uh, you know, overcoming that is one of the big things you have to do with a PM community is if, you, if you're honest and we understand the situation, we can help. And that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You have a... No, I'm just curious. Would you say that the success of a project manager is measured by whether the project comes to a successful end or not? Because if you think just literally on the word, their job is just to manage the project. They're not a guarantee that the project will be successful. So whether a project becomes successful or not, is not really to give credit to or to be blamed on project, project manager. But well, you've, just start, you've just started a two-hour conversation now. You talk about what, what the hell do you mean by project success? Um, the, the project manager's job is to take something that has been defined as a project and to deliver it successfully to its point of conclusion with the expected deliverables at the end now the problem with projects you know in the old days it was you know it was, you know, there's you can hear terms like triple constraint or the iron triangle that you could deliver on time to budget to scope at, a, at, a, at an acceptable level of quality actually the reality is that is not success by by any means um you know i've delivered projects like that and the and the clients have been unhappy i've also completely screwed up and delivered under budget or over budget and under scope etc and the clients have been quite happy success is a very complex thing to measure mm-hmm. and, a, and project managers these days have to be aware of it you know what the main thing is are they delivering business benefit at the end of it even if that business benefit is different than what was defined at the start 
We're seeing projects these days that whilst they're bigger and more complicated, they're actually over a short period of time. So that helps because in the old days, you, it wasn't uncommon to have like a two two year project, or something like that. Well, things change in business over two years. Yeah. Um, but you know you've got to you've got to keep an eye on what success means. Success means what, what does what does the business need right now? What are the politics? You know what is the culture? You know what is the uh, kind of you know approach to you know the repeatability and longevity of the project deliverables, etc. And and often that means things change as you go along. And so if you deliver what was defined several months ago, yeah. you could actually fail. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting things that I found when I'm interacting with people in projects and you were talking a little bit about uh, the, I'll call it almost the denial or the, what is the term you like to use a lot when you look at everything favorably? So anything, any information you twist what to make. What do you mean? Like a confirmi- the confirmation, confirmation bias. bias. Yeah. So, so, yes. what, what, what I've no. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, so we all do that. Confirmation yeah. bias. So, but what I love is that, and I've seen it happen so often, I'll be in meetings and I'm usually working more, more with like a nuance, like a little subtle thing that someone doesn't say is far more interesting to me than anything they've said. So, yeah. um, so one of the questions that I see that people will ask is the confirmation by, is it going to get done on time? Yes. Uh, it, 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 uh, are you confident? Are people participating? Yes, yes, yes. So like it's almost asking questions to validate the desire you have so mm-hmm. you can go and, and tell the next person up that you've actually done what you're required, your due diligence. But the thing that I've often found that uh, the question that I like love more is what if anything would stop you from reaching the agreed goal? So it would be, and then I love it if someone says uh, nothing. So then, and then, then my next question is always, so you're a hundred percent guaranteed confident that it'll be, and then they'll always answer no. (laughs) No, I think it's a good approach. It's an approach I take as well. You know, what's going to stop you achieving the next milestone, the end of the project, wherever it may be, because then you do get a far more honest uh, response back from people uh, as opposed to the, the yes, no. And of course, you know, behind it now is, you know, with projects, and particularly if you're using one of the, you know, the modern tools, et cetera, there's a lot of data that sits behind it. So, you know, it's yeah. harder to, to hide things to a degree um, because it's, you know, it's tracking the data. And, and you know, the, with the rise of AI that we're seeing now, I mean, particularly project management, it's going to fundamentally change in the next five to 10 years. Wow. It'll be able to anticipate where there are the gaps in the actual delivery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Gartner said that, you know, with, by, by 2030, 80% of what a project manager does today, and the report came out in 2020, 80% of what a project manager does today will be done by AI. So, which is a good thing, I think, because actually it's the, it's the bit I hated when I was doing projects. You know, I hated all that, that having to do that regular reporting, analysis, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, it, what it's going to do is it's going to free project managers to to focus on the people which is going to be a really, really good thing. The AI can do all that stuff. It's welcome to it. I mean, it'd do it better. It'd be far more predictive. It'd be far more yeah. objective. There will be no uh, personal bias in there at all. Um, so that's a fantastic thing. But it will free up project managers to do – I mean, when I started project management, I, I had no idea what I was doing. and I was moderately successful. And the only way I was moderately successful is because I worked with people. That's all I had. I didn't have the mechanics. I got that later on, many years after I started. Yeah. So I think freeing project managers up to to work with people because projects are about people. Yeah. Who else can create? Who else can create chaos than, other than people? That's pretty- Did you were yes. you using like when you were first starting out? Were you using like Excel sheets and like putting like designated roles and linear like columns? Or how did you start with the the tool? T cards. 
Oh, really? He can't. <laughs> you know, it's a paper on a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, we have to, you, you can explain to the audience what the hell I'm talking about now. <laughs> oh. Like a metal rack with lots of little slots in, a little T-shaped card. It was sitting, so a t- it was T-shaped, so it didn't fall down. That was the whole point. It was and that you, T-shape that had the, like, the edge on the top so it yeah, wouldn't fall yeah, in. Wouldn't fold it down. And then you'd write the task or the activity, and you put it in, and you can move things around. Yeah, that's what that's all it had. Wow. I have no idea what that is. Anyway. Imagine like a big metal cabinet yeah. and the cabinet has paper cards. And when you put them in, because the top is a little bit wider, yeah. it doesn't fall in. Okay. So it rests on the top. And then you're flipping these cards over and over as the project proceeds oh, so that you're always. But I, I must admit, I could imagine us going back to that because it's an incredible visual representation. Yeah. It's not much different to Kanban boards these days. I mean, particularly yeah. moving stuff, et cetera. But I'm sorry. I'm talking about something. I'm talking about something. I, when project management was uh, and the dinosaurs were on the planet at the same time, that's yeah. where I started. <laughs> when it was available. Yeah. But it, it worked because it was very visual. And, and yeah. now we kind of replicated that in a digital sense. So it's, it's not that different. Yeah. Well, I've often found that paper and the, like this, like this very touchable, and, and and you can interact with it, creates a much more visceral reaction than the detached uh, computer screens. Yes. So yeah. at least for me, I, I I've seen that having a visual representation on on an actual physical wall often mm-hmm. has a much stronger. You know, it's almost like I'm more accountable to it if I see it on the wall than if it's in a computer that feels like one simple click and it'll go back. It'll delay it by two weeks. You know yeah. that feeling. Yeah. No, still for big for big projects, I still you know love to have you know you know in the days we're allowed to you know like a conference room meeting with post-it notes up with colours yeah. for various tasks, or you can do you can do it on a on a, on a big uh, sort of uh, conference table as well. You can do it with like folded over cards because you've got this very visual thing, and people can just literally pick things up and go, "What's this? And how does it? Why is this happening before that?" Then yeah. you translate it. Yes, to keep track yeah. of anything significant, you translate it into the digital world. But I agree with you. It's it's very 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 real when you can actually physically see mm. it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I must admit, there one of my favorite cartoons of all time, and I know you know it because it was about twenty years ago, but it still comes up every three to four years. Is the cartoon when it shows basically eight independent pictures of how of the um, of the hanging tire from a oh, tree. Right. The tree swing. So what the client asked for, what was delivered, what was, you know, and and, and it's such a funny image for me, because if anyone sees it, you and you've been in a corporate environment immediately, you say, oh, my God, I know how many times that a customer need has been translated into something that was so far beyond what was asked for. Because the interpretation by the person who's taking the the first intake or the first, who's assessing the need. Yeah. So, yeah. so my question to you is: in project management, like the first step of it, I could imagine is like somebody who's almost highly intuitive rather than just street smart. I mean, rather than just sorry, just literally. Because if you if you take things too literally and you don't hear what the subtle need is in the in the client, you'll probably overly create the specs for what need to be delivered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, I think these days there's a there's a thing that I refer to as the journey of expectation management. You know, mm. I mean, in the old days when I, when I was part of you know this this world, I mean, most of the projects I, I run have been in the kind of software IT industry. 
And yeah, you you create some sort of major specification, which in some cases ran to like many volumes of like you know A4 binder. Um, yeah. And it would be locked down, and that's what you had to deliver. Well, that's that's out the window these days. But I think most organisations they have this period of time because. You know, when I when two organizations connect in this way, you know, technology supplier with a client, they're going to learn about each other. And there's got to be a period of, of trust. And the, and the yeah. way I, I refer to this is that if you can imagine, there's there's always this 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 handshake that takes place because at some point they, they've come to an agreement. Yeah, we're going to work together. We're going to invest in your technology. You're going to give us great business value. There's going to be superb return on investment. Everything's going to be great. The world's a happy place. There's a kickoff party and people have a fun time. The real test is how quickly that handshake moves into arm wrestling, you know, Mm. over the detail. Mature companies, agile companies, sophisticated companies who understand these sort of project world these days, they they have an open mind. You know, both parties should be very open for quite a long period of time as – Oh, okay. That's what you mean by your business need. Oh, that's what you mean by what the technology can do. Right. We're both learning. We're both learning. Because if you lock it down too early, um, you know, the other image I use a lot is, is, is a, there's a nice picture of a path in a woodland that's kind of going like that. Now, you know, do you have the client and the supplier coming together or do you have them going away? And you want them to come together, of course, on a single path. And this happens so often that, that you get so locked down into arguing about the detail or assumptions are made. That assumptions are very yeah dangerous of course and if you don't you know it's kind of it's coming back to your conversation you know your opening comment about communication if you don't keep those channels of communication open and have that kind of flexibility you you're going to have a problem you're going to have a problem yeah you know the word you just used and it actually feels like if that role does not exist in a client engagement you're i would say an idiot is someone who's managing client expectations because Because on one level, you can be doing all your work and not hand-holding through the expectations, and they won't be satisfied. Or you could be doing a horrible job, but managing the expectations, and therefore, they'll be very happy with what you've delivered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, absolutely. it's almost like not to have that role is, uh, is, is shameful. <laughs> I would go that far in terms of project management for bigger projects. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are yeah. two elements there. I mean, one is, I mean, you know, to actually totally make a client happy, you have to exceed their expectations, not even just meet them. Yeah. But absolutely, I think one is management of expectations. The other one is management of organizational change, the impact of what's going on. That's one that's often missed. You know, the, the companies spend all their money on the technology and they get their own organization ready and they're busy, of course, with business as usual. And nobody's taking care of the kind of transformational change that's taking place. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that, that's, again, is where I see a lot of, lot of challenges and sometimes failure. Yeah, there is actually very, uh, uh, how do you call it? It's very relevant um, because sometimes, indeed, you, you bring change mm. and then you think that your project is to create that change. And after that, there is no aftercare. So everybody's gone to back to their own normal job, but mm. the environment changes. So people mm. are expected to do different things or behave differently, but then there's not really support or any anything after that. That is, uh, yeah, that, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's... and again, it's human nature. I mean, the other classic out there, you know, who thinks we need to change? Yes. You know, who wants to change for the organization? Yeah, who wants to change themselves? Oh, I'm perfect. I'm fine. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you have to battle with because in some way, if you put something like this inside an organization, it's probably going to affect most people. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in a in a or have you ever 
manage a project where the uh, participants, the the key individuals there, actually didn't really want to be part of this project. So they oh, yeah. have this. What do you mean? Has he ever? I would almost <laughs> ask you, have you ever not? <laughs> well, there's, there's always some difficult person, that's for sure. No, I, yeah. did, I did have one project and... Uh, um, I mean, to be fair, to be, to be honest, it was a uh, it was a quasi governmental political group in the UK, um, and they they they'd seen it all before, they'd done it all before, they'd resisted it all before, and they had no. They they turned up at the meetings and they they did nothing really to help, yeah. um, and it was just it was just a passive, almost passive aggressive culture of the organisation. Yeah. Very 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 difficult. To be fair, it's the only project I was ever thrown off as project manager, and I was quite grateful at the end, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because I tried to take them on, and I, I failed miserably. Um, and I don't. I suspect they never changed. It was just the inbred culture of the organisation. So yes, I have. Yeah, well, governmental governmental organizations don't tend to be the first ones that want to change. You know, you didn't take that job because of the monthly changes that were occurring. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. You know, they didn't get where they are by. Yeah. Not- change rubbish no there was a there was a you you sent you said it and you mentioned it we talked about it uh, subtly a few times but but i'd be curious because on you know a project comes about for a few reasons i would i would think but one of them would be because we want to do something different than way we're di- than the way we've done it till till now mm-hmm. and as ronnie mentioned as you also mentioned earlier there's an aspect which is we need to change the way we're doing business and in changing the way we're doing business, a lot of the implication is that uh, of behind that is that something that we're doing till now hasn't been the way we've wanted to do it, which would also mean our culture is not able to deliver or act the way we want it to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's a long winded question. Long winded lead up to the question is where to what degree do you see project management is more about fighting against the culture that's trying to hold itself in place against actually delivering something, a, a project itself. I, see, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the phrase fighting against the culture. I think it's important for a project manager, particularly an external project manager, is to understand the culture. You know, what, is a, what, is a, what is practically achievable? Because you can't change culture overnight or you know, yeah. after a long period of time. It's a really difficult thing, you know, um, you know. Was it culture each strategy for breakfast or whatever it is? You know, it's, it doesn't matter. So you have to understand, and and that really was my de- downfall on that particular project I talked about. Is I tried to I tried to take it on, and and yeah. I lost. Um, you know, I, I think the project manager who came after me was a little bit wiser, a little bit more experienced, and just played the game a little more gently um, yeah. than I did. So I think you you have, as a project manager, you have to understand what you're at all time. You have to understand the people you're working with, the culture of the organisation, the business needs, yeah. um, the political situ- political landscape you're operating in. It's more more about you know this is this is bigger than the little project perhaps that you're delivering. Although you know they're also supposed to work in part, uh, partnership with a project sponsor who's supposed to help you with that stuff. As yeah. Well. Mm. Project sponsor, yes. Yeah, and that might lead to this one, which I think is a good question from Bolalong in South Africa. Who is responsible to make sure that people within the organization are committed to the project? Is is it the project owner or the project manager? 
It's kind of both, really. I mean, uh, you know, the project manager's job is to actually, you know, assess all of the contributors, all the stakeholders out there, regardless of the level of their their involvement, and and, and work hard to make sure they're on board of, of the project. I mean, I think, you know, certainly at certain levels in the organisation, a higher executive level, then it's down to the project sponsor or project owner um, or senior reporting officer, whatever term you want to use. It's their job to do that at that level, you know, amongst their peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of need that partnership between a good project sponsor and a good project manager. Yeah, I've sort of found, at least in my experience, that a lot of times when it goes back up to the higher level executive who is supposed to also sponsor it, they don't, they're not as strong in their voice as the people that below. And what I've seen happen because of that is that the people below start to use the fact that the executive, whoever is the highest level, isn't strongly supporting the project as an excuse not to be as excited about it. Yeah, there, there is a fundamental. I mean, again, I can start. I can do a rant on this if you like. There's a fundamental, fundamental weakness in project sponsorship. I can teach, I can teach you and all your listeners everything you need to know about project sponsorship in three numbers. Uh, and those three numbers are 85, 83, and one hundred. That's it. You're experts in project sponsorship across the world. Yeah. Uh, one of the other books I did was obviously on project sponsorship. We did some uh, survey research. Um, and it was across it was across the world. It was across many organisations, many industries, different size organisations. And we asked, amongst other things, we asked three questions. We said, "Do you have a project sponsor, senior reporting officer, project owner, whatever term you use?" Eighty-five percent of the companies that responded said, "Yes, we have project sponsors," okay. which is not bad. I mean, they were all doing projects, so we were never quite sure what the fifteen percent were doing. But let's say eighty-five percent, really good number, can be improved upon. The second question is, what do you do as an organization to support, train, guide, mentor, develop your project sponsors? Mm-hmm. 83% of them came back and said, absolutely nothing. Yeah. These are smart, clever people, senior people. They must know how to do their job. They don't. And the real killer is, we then said, how important do you think it is to have a professional project sponsor on your project for project success? 100%. Well, it's not, actually, it was 99.5% by rounded up. Everybody said, "Yes, it's really important," and that is that is a situation with project sponsorship out there right now. We spent huge amount. Most of my life has been people have been organisations, etc., have spent in developing project management. It is so much better than when I started. I mean, people mm-hmm. are now taking project management courses. They're be- becoming professional project managers. There are supportive organisations, um, external and internal inside the companies. Great stuff. We can always get better. There is absolutely nothing for project sponsors. They just yeah. expect you to do the job. So yeah, I told you I can. Yeah, and I think, and I think <laughs> that's sort of what I experienced in that role of the project sponsor. And and and, and by the way, I didn't know you would react that way, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> any opportunity. Any opportunity. But, it, but because it, what I found is that it's almost like they're almost trying to convince themselves that it's important, but they're still not bought into it, and everyone senses it. And because yeah. they sense it, they use it against the project. Like even he's not bought into it. So I've I've seen that throughout a lot of my careers. I mean, there are some good ones out there, but it's not it's not the general uh, state. I mean, you know, we've got two we've got two approaches to this. We can kind of like say, well, it'll sort itself out in twenty thirty years as the generation of project managers move up through the organisation. Or actually, if you look at the trillions of, my, of dollars invested in projects, we should do something about it now. So yeah. 
I started the campaign for real project sponsors quite a few years ago. So <laughs> yeah, it is, and it is one of my things. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I, uh, I, I've seen it as one of the weak sport points in the, and I see that aligning to again, again, culture. I see that at least that's my header for it because if the yeah. culture allows people not to take responsibility, which most cultures do, like they yeah. give people roles, but they don't hold them accountable. <laughs> Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're the project sponsor, but you don't have to deliver anything and we won't hold you accountable when it doesn't work out. That's unfortunately yeah. what I often yeah. see happening in cultures. Yeah. How much of that is also uh, awareness? Because uh, some you know, organizations may not even aware that they that a, a project sponsors actually, ha- you know, they actually need to know or need to embody or need to do certain things. I, I don't think I don't. I think they underestimate it. That's what I yeah. think. Are, yeah. uh, what would you say? Yeah, I agree. They they absolutely do. I mean, there are a number of pieces of research out there on this, um, and you know, it, at the heart of it, it's, it's just not seen as part of the day job. It's seen as an extra thing. Oh, you all do sponsor mm. project. Your yeah. job is you know senior vice president of this or that. Yeah, but you know, we're just seeing an ever increasing amount of you know project you know, projects activity inside organizations the project-based economy is growing people need to get real on this and understand and it's just a fundamental difference between the project world and business as usual world yeah 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 it's the dynamic which is different mm. we discussed we discussed culture right but i also yeah. see something as a separate to that which is politics oh uh, yeah so so i mean <laughs> and they're not separate from one another yeah. but i would say like the one thing that I, that always that if you want to understand how a company functions or dysfunctions, put a project in place where multiple departments need to interact for a common goal. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So, so in, in your experience there, like, how is it that you see? And I know communications would be a word, but I think it's beyond communications on some levels. How do you see yourself having ne- negotiated? politics within an organization when you're doing these project management projects uh, this is where you i think if you if i'm honest this is where you need a really good partner inside the organization if you're if you're you know a client-facing project which is mostly my world then you need uh, a good you know uh, project manager project sponsor inside that organization who understands a little bit more about the politics and what's going on um and also you know if you're a project manager it's like anything you're always you know, anticipating risk you know just anticipate the risk of political implication or impact you know just don't take everything at face value i mean I, you know there is it's strange i mean a project manager needs to have a, a high degree of trust but also you know a reasonable level of cynicism as well i feel so yeah. you know just keep a healthy balance between the two yeah, because I've seen a lot of times people are actually happy to see projects fail because basically if somebody else is more responsible for it, then it'll give them the benefit of showing that they're not competent or all of that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 My, my advice to project managers is, you know, don't don't waste huge amounts of your time on this. You know, don't don't document everything, don't audit trail everything, don't you know, don't be prepared. But also have a kind of a mind that says oh, this could be happening and, and be prepared to react if it, if it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be quite complex because it's not only about the tangible things, like you said about there's politics, there is culture and yeah. how much do you have to take into account or uh, is it a d- distraction or can it also even be an asset to get the project going further? Yeah. So especially if you're um, an external consultant hired to do something as uh, a project in a firm, it, I imagine it, 
it must be not that easy to figure out the politics or the culture yeah. in such a short time. Uh, it is quite difficult. It is quite difficult. So all of that goes on, and I'm telling people to be lazy. It's great, isn't it? Well, I think the problems are going to, the lazier you are, the yeah. quicker the problems are going to show up because you're not trying to fix things as they're occurring. No. So the, <laughs> That's lazy, lazy. Yeah, I mean, what I talk about is, product, well, like, the term I use is productive laziness. It's fine. It's working smarter, not harder. It's, yeah. you know, it's a behavioral difference between project managers who focus on the really important things and, and, and trust their team to go and move everything else along to project managers who get buried in detail, working really busy. But uh, it all come, I, mean, I was running a, a project team uh, for a big German company, had about 117 project managers working for me. And I, I saw a behavioral difference. Half of them were working on average, fairly typical weeks. Now, we know projects go up and down. They're not flat. Yeah. It makes them fun and exciting. But on average, they were working 40, 48, five-hour weeks. And, and they have been reasonably successful. Uh, the other half were, were just working crazy, 50, 60, 70-hour weeks. And they were being just as successful. And I, that's when I started looking at it. You know, what, do you, what is the difference? The difference is around you know, the levels of communication, the levels of responsibility, the art of delegation, the, the involvement. All the things I got wrong in my early days, I did everything wrong. I had a huge project around for two and a half years. And it was a, it was a great opportunity to learn a, a, from many lessons. And I, you know, I, was, I wouldn't allow anything to happen without me being involved. No conversational decision could take place without me being involved. No communication to, could take place without me reviewing it first. And I was slowing the project down and I was making, I was making myself physically ill. I, I suffer from stress mm -hmm. at the end of it. Yeah. And at the end of the whole thing, the project was successful. And I looked back and thought, I really enjoyed that, but there's no way I can do that for another 20 or so yeah. years. It will kill me. So what can I do differently? And that really is the heart of the lazy project manager and the, and the principal. It's like, I want to do this. I want to be successful. This is fun. How can I do it differently? And, and, you know, the book itself is laid out. So every chapter has a little kind of personal story about where I realized something that I got wrong and there was a better way of doing it. And that's really what, you know, what I'm trying to talk about when I talk about productive laziness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It gets me interested because I'll often, you know, Ronnie will correct me whenever I discuss this this way, but I'm going to do it anyways, <laughs> is that I'll often like try to look at my two, my two brain parts, right? And she'll say, Andy, it's never that simple. Your brain isn't broken into two parts. There's complexity. There's intertwinedness. We know that there's no left, right brain. But mm -hmm. uh, on, but in, independent of that, I do sense for myself, there's a more of a brain function, which is related to big picture thinking, and then another brain function, which is more detail oriented. Yeah. And, and I see that both obviously are required to do project management well because you need to have a bigger picture vision of where you need to go over a time period and you need to know the details that need to do step by step. So if mm. you're looking at that, call it that breakdown of that dichotomy, how do you see good project managers functioning in, 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 in their role? I think that's the key is, you know, what I, what I see so many times the mistakes are the project managers stop looking at the big picture because part of their job is it is to you know, look at it. What's happening? What's coming towards me? What? Because, you never deliver a project in isolation. There's probably 20, 30, 50, 100 other projects going on inside an organization. So you need that high-level view. Like, How are we doing? Where are we going? What are we going to be impacted by? What are the challenges? I'm preparing my team for it. As well as dropping down and going, I can look at that small piece of information in detail. It's having the two. And when project managers bury themselves in the detail, that's when usually they're kind of hit by the, you know, the the iceberg or whatever, the thing that they didn't look up and see what was coming towards them. And, yeah. and that, that's a big and common mistake 
with younger project managers, they, they forget to elevate themselves on a regular basis and start looking at the mm. I think that comes with fear as well. People get very detail-oriented when they're scared the results aren't going to be met, I've found at least. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can hide. I mean, you know, I, I'm ne- I've been never a fan of giant project sh- schedules and Gantt charts and stuff. like. I've always avoided them as much as possible. But it's easy. It's a, it's a safe place to hide if you want yeah. to. No, no, the plan's up to date. It's, it's got everything in it. Yeah, but, you know, the, the world's yeah. out there, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, you've, got to, yeah, you've got to be able to bounce between the two. But I think, mm. you know, the big picture is really, really important. Mm. What I've often found is that in de- delivering projects, that if I am conscious of the real need from the client, not what, not necessarily like all of the bells and whistles of what they're also talking about. But like, if this one thing is solved for them, like 80% of what they need is solved. Like, and I think that a lot of times people aren't able to crystallize that in a way that they focus on the right things when they're delivering projects. Mm-hmm. Is that something you would be, you'd, you'd have experience in as well? Or what is your feeling on, on being able to crystallize the what the needs analysis or whatever you yeah, phrase. Well, I, I, I go back to something I said earlier on. It's, it's about constantly presenting the vision and purpose. You know, why are we doing this? You know, if you can't present that to your project team, they're never going to be on board. And the reality is, you know, you've got, you know, you've got someone. You know, you're running your project. You've got someone in America somewhere who's who's doing part time on the, on your project, but their boss, their manager, just up the corridor. Well, with things are being challenged, who are they going to go to listen to first? Go to the manager who can walk down the corridor and start shouting at them or whatever. So, you know, you really have to, one of the big tasks is to bring them into your project, make them feel part of that, that team and to feel connected to the, to the purpose, et cetera. And, and then you've got to get through, I mean, we know that, you know, the old classic of the, of the team formation uh, you know, approach, you know, the forming, storming, norming and performing. Yeah. You've got to get through that very quickly. And, and projects are just, again, I think there's another dimension to that. You know, projects are also disrupting in the sense that you never get all of your resources on, on day one. At your, yeah. at your project, you just don't. You can't, projects can't afford to do that. Yeah. So you might have built up a lovely, happy team, and then suddenly, you know, in three weeks' time, five more people join the team. Well, they are going to disrupt the team. They're going to push that performing team back into a storming phase, probably. And you as a project, all your work, and I said earlier on about AI being a great thing, this is where the project managers of the future are going to really benefit because they can spend their time connecting and dealing with the people side of things. And I think we'd all agree that, you know, when you've got a high performing team that's got high levels of trust, great communication, they can pretty much overcome anything and they are self managing to a greater degree as well. And that's a good place to be. Following on from your AI question, Bolong asks, when AI is in place, will project managers still be called that name or will they have another name that describes their role of relationship management? I think project manager as a role is here for the foreseeable future. I mean, yes, you can play around with it. Um, um, uh, but I think it fits. I think people have kind of accepted it. It's just what that project manager spends most of their time doing is gonna it's gonna change um and uh you know it's you know I, the, the other one i love around this is you know project manager is a verb not an adjective so you know get it's a doing stuff get on and do it well you're just gonna be doing stuff with people that's all so i don't see it changing if it changes fine I, i've got a problem with it i'm not hung up about the title yeah um, but I, I can't see it changing 
too rapidly. There's too much, um, you know, there's, there's some big organisations out there who have invested far too much in the term project manager and project management. Yeah. I think they will be incredibly resistant to the future. And um, most of them are particularly unprepared by AI, for AI as well, I think, really. But then that's another rant I could go on and we probably yeah, have yeah. That. <laughs> well, along, maybe we'll call them the chief uh, emotionally incapable officer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some random questions for you that I think Ronnie also has. Okay, go random. Um, 450 presentations in 25 countries. Which yeah. country did you dislike most? Dislike most? <laughs> oh. I can already. I've done. I've done twenty five countries as well. Okay. One comes to mind, and I'd love to see if we're aligned on that one country. Oh my goodness me! What did I like? Oh, that's going to. What's the hardest? Hardest to reach the people, most challenging to get them to sort of show any part of themselves. Right. Um, and I, I love this country. I'm going to say this. I love I'm going to write country. it down. I'm going to write it down before you say it right, because fine, I right, want to right. align. I'm writing it down right now. And I'm gonna okay, love it. I'm gonna side. love it if we um, if we if we're aligned on this. So well, please. The only reason I'm using I'm picking on this country because every country is different, every culture is different, every people are different. Um, the only reason I'm writing this one down because this this country, my first presentation, utterly bewildered me. Now you remember, I, you know, I was at the point uh, the lazy project manager was taking off. It was being successful. Yes. I was doing presentations. I was getting a little bit overconfident, perhaps. And I went to this country and I did a presentation. And there was nothing. Oh, oh yes. This is, this is also something. Nothing, okay. nothing. Okay, this is Afterwards, getting interesting. I organized it, came up to me after, and he said, that was very good, Peter. How could you tell? That yeah. The country of Sweden, actually. And I oh, think, damn it. Oh, my prediction country. was Finland. My oh, prediction was Finland. Scandinavia. Did you, do, did you do one in Finland as well or not? I did one in Finland as well. The, uh, the one I did in Finland was it was actually in a pub, so it was different. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, pub. okay. But it, it wasn't the fact that it didn't go well. I, just, I wasn't ready for the way they, they react. That's what, yeah, but, yeah, but I noticed that the Scandinavians are unforgiving. Like I had to do years of presenting, and yeah. I remember my last presentation was in Finland, uh-huh. and – and I did it three times and they never laughed. They never, there was like a straight face. So in order to, 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 it was my last presentation. It was almost like I had nothing to lose. So I said to them, here's what I'm going to do. I said, whenever I say anything I think is funny, I'm going to let you know that I thought this was a moment you could have laughed. So you know, basically I went through my presentation and then I kept saying, so guys, this is a moment when I imagine one might laugh if they thought that this could be fun. And then finally they laughed. So they laughed at the fact that I had to call attention to the moment I thought was funny. That was cool. cool. That's how I broke the Finnish market. Um, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. So and as I say, it's a lovely country. I've been there many times and it's gone, yeah. it's gone well. And that one went well. I just wasn't expecting how to read the concept of it going well because to me it was like there's, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. I think when you're doing, but 450 of these things. Yeah, like how does your life change post COVID? Because obviously you're not doing those 
in person? Are you? Have you shipped no, right. remote. I, can't, I did about fifty last year. I think something like that. It, they were all, yeah. all remote. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, it's a new challenge. It's a yeah. It's a lot of obviously Teams and Zoom presentations, WebEx, etc. I use Menti as a tool to help kind of create some interaction. Menti is a, a lovely little you know poll survey kind of that in, instantly brings the visuals up on the screen so you can see as people vote. It brings people in. They feel safe. So. You know, it's it's okay. It's okay. I do really look forward to the next time I can go out and work on, walk on stage. I'll, I'll be honest. It's there's nothing like it. Yeah. So, are there aspects of project management that has to be, you know, that will change um, forever because our experience with COVID? That, yeah. You know, um, people may work separately uh, from one another physically. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think, and it's a good question. I think it's, I think it is about the fact that we're going. It's going to be a hybrid world when we go back. It's already was there. You know, we're already seeing the you know, typical projects were involving resources from all over the world that didn't necessarily have ever physically met each other. You know, the days of having a kickoff meeting with all the project team are long, long gone. I think you know, I'm doing a lot of work in the area of project team uh, performance and uh, project team analytics. I'm helping a startup company called Perflow there to try and do some work in this area because I think that's really important, is how can you help these teams work very effectively together? And it's all about, you know, micro pulses, nudges, feedback, sentiment, uh, measurement, et cetera, because it, it all supports this. If you have a great team uh, as a project manager, if you look and go, hey, my team's doing well and they're happy with each other, then you're going to succeed in some shape or form. So I think it's I think it's more an acceleration of, of that, Arani, I think. Yeah, because what I can imagine as well, uh, you know, we talked about politics before. Politics can be a, a strengthening force or a destructive force. And with us with now during COVID that we are separated physically and we have to work really task oriented. And mm -hmm. you can imagine that the distraction of politics, of gossips, of that mm. kind of thing is removed so people can actually be can actually do that. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's harder to manipulate yeah. people in this way. And I think the, the growth of the technology allows for, you know, expansive social collaboration, again, mm. breaks down these barriers because you no longer have this kind of centralized, strong governance, hierarchical structure because the power is with the collective. The power is mm. truly with the people uh, in the sense that they're all on the same communication boards and they can all have a say. And we all feel... You know, and, and I and I have seen this. I've seen. I think um, people are more open to saying something on a platform like this than they necessarily would be in, in a room because we know there's always strong characters and quieter characters. And I think this is this is quite leveling in in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said something that I immediately I I didn't I never heard of it in this shape and form, and it made all the sense in the world. And I. When you you use the word sentiment measurement, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because you know they'll often on a quarterly or a half yearly basis, companies will do you know their intake and say, hey, take out these questionnaires and we're going to measure and do benchmarking of where we are. Yeah. But but what, what I'm hearing and this as you said it, I thought, wow, that makes all the sense in the world. If you're running a project, if I just sent out like a pulse of how confident are you and how how well are you feeling in this role and now you know yeah. like if i just do a pulse is that really what a sentiment measurement is or what is that is it, yeah, like it is literally in the moment i mean the idea of this thing is you know the technology uses existing tool you know whether you're using slack or teams or anything like that 
It's not adding apps. There's no software that's added to that. But what it's doing is that you've just, you know, you, you build it on to either periodic or you get certain activities. Literally, we could have finished this call and we'd all receive a little kind of micro pulse check. You know, what do you think? Did you like it? Yes, no. Smiley face, happy for whatever it may be. End of. On top yeah. of that, you've also got, you know, you, you know, with AI, you've got the, the ability to kind of look at the linguistic profile of the terms that are used, the way reports are written. All of this can come together and it can mm. say, this is how your film your team feels today and tomorrow it might be slightly different you know someone might be slightly pissed off today tomorrow they might be happy again and so constantly looking at how they feel about the team this project their view of the likely project success any recommendations that kind of thing you don't bother people much you literally gamify you you make it nice and simple but what you're doing is getting constant little checkpoints as opposed to a milestone review and in the project review exactly that's what i thought was nice you can get a pulse I've got a trick question for you. Okay. In an organization, which group is going to have the highest scores in general when it comes to these type of assessments? Qualify the question a little bit. If I do a pulse question where I'm saying, how well are we feeling? How good are, is our department? Are we living our values? HR, they go off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was the obvious answer. I didn't, you know, I was, uh, I've always yeah, laughed. Yeah. Happy face, smiley face, happy face. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> it's always HR. HR is like, if you want to see the highest performing organization, even though if they might have the highest turnover, it's yeah. going to be yeah. HR. So oh. when HR actually has lower uh, points, what yeah. does it say? <laughs> actually, it happened. Does it? it yes. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, it says that they actually are honest. <laughs> That's what it says. Yeah. Yeah. If for those who may not understand, at least for me, my psychology on this one is very simple, is that they're the ones that are being rated on the performance. So they're basically rating their own performance when they look at performance usually. Yeah. 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 Um, so if somebody is wanting to get into this and they haven't really done it, what would you say to them? This is what you need to do in order to get like a, a started off in project management as a, as a role you might have. Uh, I think there are many entry points into project management. I mean, yeah, there is a for, there is the formal career path, yes, you know, training, colleges, university, et cetera. But you, I mean, you don't have to do that. You can you can learn on a job. I mean, many organisations have, you know, project controller or project assistant type role. You can go work inside a project management office as, as part of it. You know, and there are a lot of communities out there. And I know I kind of was a little bit anti some of the major organisations out there. But I think you know their their local meetings, their local chapter meetings. They run a lot of great um, sessions where you can meet and, and greet and get to know other project managers. You can just turn up. They certainly let you turn up for the first one for free, and it doesn't cost much after that anyway. No. I think there are a lot of ways to just get exposed to the world of project management to see if you like it. Um, and there's a lot of free stuff out there. There's a lot of you know, particularly after last year, there's huge amounts out there. Um, that you can go and get to just see some, have some insights, um, webinars that have been produced by people like me and many others, connect to people on LinkedIn. You know, I'm huge on LinkedIn, and please send me an invitation. I think there are, there are lots of ways you can go and connect, validate, and see if, it, if this is for you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and if people want to get, because we're coming to the end of our hour, so it'd be nice to at least guide people to materials that you have that they might be interested in. Like, where would people find information or stuff that you uh, would be offering online or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, LinkedIn, definitely connect to me on LinkedIn. But I mean, the other one is my, you know, I have the website. It is thelazyprojectmanager.com, lazyprojectmanager.com. Um, and all the stuff's on there. There's a lot of, I mean, I, yeah. 
lots of blogs, lots of articles, videos, etc., and then ways to get hold of me if you want to. Great. Thank you very much. It was great being with you. Yeah. It's been good fun. Until we meet in person. Yes. Bye. 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 Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. It's interesting because uh, I, 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 like you said, when you take on a, a topic like project management, you you automatically think it's going to be more clinical and more mm. structured and and yeah, corporate-y, you know. Yeah, and I really enjoy just digging into the, you know, because I think there's the things we talk about and then there's the reality. Yeah, and yeah. also for me, the realization that. Er- a lot of things can be a project. You don't have to be working in a, uh, you know, big organization or corporation or big project. Even little things that you do in your life can be a project. Yeah. You know, um, fixing the roof is a project. Yeah. I noticed that I always have like, you know, I've got, I would call that more personal management. And I always see that I have, like I mentioned earlier, like these tools, like I start with my inbox, Mm. I go to my calendar. When that gets too busy, then I go to this application I use that, you you know, do. And then when I get really busy, then I pick out the piece of paper and then I draw out the categories of things I need to do. And then I write in a list. And, And whenever I get there, it feels a bit more overwhelming. And I try to like, cut down again because yeah. I just don't like to get yeah. that. I don't want my task list to define my life. And that's that's only one person project, basically. Exactly. Huh? Yeah, that's a one person project. So your life in the corporate is far busier and more more intense than mine is. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because you're managing a lot more things and a lot more people at the same time. I only have to manage this and that thing is, <laughs> that thing is a wonderful <laughs> chaos up there. So thank you for joining us. We won't be here on Monday because it's uh, it's Easter. Uh, it's second Easter day. It's, so um, I think in the whole Europe, it's a holiday. It's a holiday. But, um, not in the U.S. No, there's not many holidays in the U.S. They actually have slave labor well, there. Well, today you know? it's a holiday in the U.S. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so really? it's a bit crazy oh, because funny. we work and they don't work and Monday... I didn't we don't work, they work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, and hopefully Bambos will feel better, and then we'll have him back on Tuesday for that show. Okay, yeah? perfect. Have a nice weekend. Thank you, It was great everyone. being with Bye. you on. A wonderful chaos. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.